Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so lovely to have you all here. Uh, my name is Kasper Takail. I'm a uh, fourth year graduate student here uh, at the Harvard Divinity School. So, welcome if you've never, who's never been to the Divinity School before? Oh, wow, what a lovely thing to have you all here. Yeah, that deserves a round of applause. I see Lindsay. Yes, welcome. Um, it's great to have you all here. For those of you who don't know, bathrooms are just downstairs. Uh, if there's a fire or some sort of emergency, we will have to go out that side of the building onto the green. Um, yes, here we are. Uh, I'm going to let Angie do some general uh, kind of background to this event, and then I'll introduce Greg. Um, but I just wanted to say a quick thank you. Um, we've had an amazing team bring together not only this event, but everything that's happening this weekend. So thank you to Lou and Amanda, Katie, uh, Lindsay, uh, and Sarah. Sarah. I think that's everyone. Um, but I'm going to hand over to my colleague and friend Angie to kind of give a little bit of background as to why we're all here. Thank you. Can you all hear me? Okay. So to provide some context for this event, more than two years ago, Casper and I started mapping a landscape that we didn't have a name for. And the vague language we were using for it was communities where people are finding a meaningful experience of belonging that are not religious. And we started populating this spreadsheet over the course of a year, and then we started having conversations. And we had conversations with about 25 community leaders. And at a certain point, we turned to each other and we said, we have to share what we're hearing because what we're hearing is so consistent across communities that are doing things from supporting each other through grief and loss to arts-based community development to physical fitness. We are hearing about the same six themes, and those themes were broadly personal transformation, social transformation, accountability, creativity, purpose finding, and community. Did I forget any? No, that was all six. Okay, amazing. Um, <laughs> and so we gathered a lot of that information and put it together in this little report called How We Gather. And throughout that whole process, the community that came up again and again and again was CrossFit. And so we're really thrilled to be able to have Greg here today. And also, as Casper mentioned, we're having a gathering this weekend with 50 of the leaders of the communities that we're both in How We Gather and that we've come into relationship with since. And so it's really exciting to be able to kick off that weekend together with this event. So I hardly need to introduce CrossFit because I can see the kind of muscly arms in the audience, <laughs> which trust me is not usual for the Sperry Room. <laughs> and it's a little intimidating. Um, I am, I'm, my boyfriend and I signed up to start CrossFit in about three weeks' time. So yeah. hopefully in a couple, like give me a couple months and then I'll be with you. Uh, but it's, <laughs> I kind of, so I'll, nonetheless, for those of you who, who don't know the story, I'll just give you a little glimpse. Um, Greg Glassman is the co-founder of CrossFit uh, a Fitness Movement, now a 13,000 affiliate gyms or boxes, as we should call them, um, and at least 4 million people working out together every week. So this is no small thing. Um, Greg opened up the first gym in 1995 in Santa Cruz in California and started CrossFit.com um, where the workout of the day is posted. So this is a workout every day that everyone all over the world does together. So you can start to see the kind of liturgical elements. Um, that was set up in 2001. And you know, Greg speaks very often about fitness and health and even the kind of business organizational side of the work that he does but not often enough, I think, about the community. So that was one of the reasons uh, he was happy to come because even on the website, CrossFit says, CrossFit is also a community that spontaneously arises when people do these workouts together. In fact, 
the communal aspect of CrossFit is a key component of why it's so effective. And uh, I recently read Greg say this in an interview, which really struck me. Because, you know, there's the stereotype, right? CrossFit, you kind of, the evangelical participants. And, and uh, Greg said, well, we keep being asked, are you a cult? And after a while, I realized, maybe we are. <laughs> this is an active, sweating, loving, breeding community. It's not an insult to a CrossFitter to be called part of a cult. Discipline, honesty, courage, accountability. What you learn in the gym is also training for life. CrossFit makes better people. So I thought we'd start with that. Greg, welcome. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. You know, I, uh, is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn, okay. you go. <laughs> I, I told friends, family, staff that we'd, I'd been invited to come speak at Harvard Divinity School, and I, and I got the same response from everyone. It was three quick questions. What? You and why? <laughs> and it was easy. What? I've been invited to Harvard Divinity School. <laughs> and you? Yeah, me. The why part, I don't, I'm not so sure. That one, is, that's, that's harder. But I think, I think it's important that I'm here, and I, and I really wanted to be here. Um, I want to start with this. I thought this was brilliant. Really, really important. And if you don't have it, you've got you to gotta get one. It's how we gather. These are the authors. So um, they challenged me. And they also leveled a, a wonderful compliment. They said that CrossFit was, uh, was epitomized three of the themes, and that was your word, epitomized. Well, they all did. Each of your test cases epitomized. But <laughs> CrossFit epitomized a combination of personal transformation, accountability, and community. And I thought about that, because he. When people write about us, I read it, and then kind of in the background, I'm trying to find out. That I, I want to show that you're wrong. You, know? you don't understand. Well, you did. You got it. You nailed it. And I thought it was really cool. But something happened next, because I'm a competitive guy. I wondered why we didn't get the other three. <laughs> what about creativity, purpose finding, and social transformation? So I went through and looked at the others that had that and just hated on them. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of the things I want to do is I want to pick up the creativity and purpose finding and social transformation so we're the only one that has all six, because I think we're perfect candidates for it. I really do. So, and, and you said in this thing that you wanted to start a conversation with those leading the organization. So yeah, here I am. Here I am. And thank you for that. Um, you said that we hope that these organizations begin to, begin to see themselves as part of a broader cultural shift towards deeper community. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's happening. I think that's happening. And I appreciate you suggesting the, the potential there. You said as it becomes increasingly popular to build mindful, value-driven, values-driven, um, socially responsible organizations, we hope leaders recognize the importance of striving to master these skills in themselves, and I appreciate that. I appreciated that too, very much so. Um, something's, something's happened wonderfully here for all of us, for the CrossFit community. And, and the healing, I think, is at the heart of it. Um, the wellness, the, the uh, improved physical capacity, the increased bone density, the decreased body fat, the, uh, reduced resting heart rates, you know, all these wonderful things that you can, you can metric. And then there's even maybe the more wonderful things that you can't metric, right? Mood and confidence and all of that and, 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 the, and the community. But uh, in dealing with, with looking at this and looking at your challenges and coming to see uh, who we are, a couple of, th couple of things hit me. 
And one is, is that, uh, you know, those of you who know CrossFit know we're locked in legal battle with the uh, NSCA, trying to expand it to the ACSM. And all these people are, are uh, soda funded, and soda funded uh, very handsomely. And uh, um, we've become the anti-soda people, and we're leading the anti-soda movement, and we're proud to do so. So, so thank you. Yeah, that deserves yeah, a round of applause. Yeah. Soda is a toxin. It's a pediatric toxin for sure. Um, the science is solid on it. And, and the American Beverage Association is lobbying and legislating and perverting science, academics, and industry. And we're making it a corporate goal to drive the American Beverage Association and its constituent members out of the health sciences, out of sports medicine, out of fitness. And uh, it's, it's, and this is me answering your hope yes. that we would take these organizations and address other issues. So I want to get this tr social transformation merit badge. Tick. Okay. <laughs> now we got four. When you win, Greg, when yeah, you yeah. win. <laughs> well, you know what? We are winning. Um, I tweeted first about the Global Energy Balance Network on the 15th. We were the source for Anahat O'Connor's story in the New York Times. I mean, we've really tipped something over and got it rolling here. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, be filling out, we're going to do an amicus uh, QA for the uh, American Beverage Association versus the City of San Francisco. And we're working with the University of California, San Francisco Medical School, and uh, uh, the City of San Francisco Department of Health. And uh, we're, we're going to attack the soda companies. Um, we're going on a nine-stop tour in key Senate districts in the state of California and bringing all affiliates to bear and we're going to support California Senate Bill 203, which is going to put a label on the can that says that the contents of this can produce obesity, tooth decay, and diabetes. And so, you know, that's, they, they've earned that. It needs to be on there. And when it happens in California, and it will, well, it might take a few years, but maybe we can do it this year. But uh, we're making nine stops and cr critical uh, uh, Senate uh, committee staffers that are on the fence on this issue. We've got to get it out of the health committee. If it gets out of the health committee, it's going to pass. And after that, we're going to come to Massachusetts, and we're going to be looking for, for help from people that think that, uh, that uh, there's something wrong with the, with the soda deal. But something else has happened, interestingly, that I want to share that I think is exactly related to this. And uh, to do so, I'm going to introduce um, Dr. Axel Fluger right here. Put your hand up, sir. Dr. Fluger is a, uh, a PhD pharmacologist. He's a board-certified heart surgeon. He's board-certified in internal medicine. He's board-certified in nephrology. He was director of, uh, of diabetes treatment and chronic disease at the Mayo Clinic for 16 years. I think 14 of those years, you were number one in the world for diabetes care and treatment. Um, he's quickly become a dear friend. He contacted me a few months ago, and he says, I have a proposal for you that I think you're going to find very interesting. And I told him, well, doc, you had me at nephrologist. <laughs> our anti-soda thing has made us friends with a lot of nephrologists and very quickly. Um, I thought maybe he had a commercial project, something that was a, a business proposal. And I wasn't sure, but I wanted to hear, but he didn't. The news he came with, what he wanted to tell us, he wanted, it started, he gave us a, a, a crash course in chronic disease, and I'm going to give it to you now, and I hate to have to share your, your thoughts in front of you with everyone here, but I think I can do it reasonably well. 
Um, chronic disease is the, is the cause of about 70% of the deaths globally. It's, it's true of the United States. It's true of developing nations. It is a trend that's happening everywhere. So we're going to lose 1.5 million Americans next year. Um, 1.2 of them will die prematurely from chronic disease. And this includes diabetes, obesity, um, coronary artery disease, Alzheimer's, and some cancers. Fair enough, Doc? Am I close? He says, here's what the science shows. And this is CDC, World Health Organization. All the science is perfectly clear on this. There are only three known causes to chronic disease. Three, smoking, inactivity, and a poor diet. And he says, but, but that's, the, that's the solution. because That's the problem, right? We've got we to fix that. And, but the problem is, is that it requires a, some lifestyle changes that people won't make um, in solo. They won't, they're unlikely to sitting by themselves. And what was needed, and been needed for a long time, was a fitness movement that formed community that would grow virally. That was his hope. And he found it and he came to us. And so, again, for my social transformation merit badge, um, <laughs> I'm going to harness the energies of our community, all my lovely affiliates and trainers here, and we're going to take on chronic disease headlong. And we're going to shift the discussion from how many affiliates will there be someday to me trying to, I, don't, I, have, I have no sense of that. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to build affiliates. If there was never another one, I would, I'm okay with that. They, you know, people don't have the interest, they don't have the interest. It's not, it's not my soul isn't tied to how many affiliates we have. Um, but uh, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this work. We're going to make this difference. And, and what, where the question reframes is now it becomes, you know, we need more gyms until the chronic disease is gone. Hmm. You know, how, how long would it take to reduce that number instead of 70% of deaths, make it 30? You know, and, and how many, and I do believe, and the doctors help me see this now, I've, I've said it before, but now I really feel it, that the CrossFit gyms are perfect. They're perfect. Uh, chronic disease, uh, 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 you know, fighters. I mean, it's, a, it's an ideal setup. I wouldn't change the exercise. I wouldn't change the dietary recommendations. I wouldn't change the camaraderie, the community, the support network, nor the fees. It all is just working perfectly well. And so, Dr. Axel Fluger, that's, a, that's exciting to me. Now, purpose, the other merit badge that we didn't get. <laughs> Clearly, when if with with the with the goal of of doing what we want in fighting soda and fighting chronic disease and look what we're fighting is the net result and the single largest purveyor of it right um but in the everyday box what happens my gyms affiliates hands up yeah i know i know almost all of you um let me tell you something about these people they are having an impact on their on their membership that very few professionals will ever have very, it, it, is, it is profound, and it, it, we impact every aspect of our, of our client's being, every aspect, physical, uh, psychological, social, emotional, spiritual, it's all impacted and all impacted favorably in a way that your psychiatrist, your physician, your dentist, your doctor, your lawyer, clergy are unlikely to match, unlikely to match. So I know what it's like to unlock those doors and have that impact on people. And the purpose, I was explaining to Angie that it, it accumulates, you know, you're, 
your first six months with your doors open, there's, you know, you get a little weight loss and, you know, people are feeling better. And, but with our affiliates that have had their doors open five years, there's about an 85% chance that you've had a hundred pound weight loss. And that's a, that's a miracle of a transformation. Talk about personal transformation. That's one that hardly anyone could imagine that wouldn't, hadn't been through it themselves. And then the last merit badge, creativity, that's going to be a hard one. But, but I, I do think that there's enormous opportunity for creativity and, and, and I'm, I want to find better and better ways to engage the community and do the kinds of things that we need to do given the goals that we have. I came up with one just recently. The people at UC San Francisco Medical School, and we were there at the, at the UC San Francisco Medical School Department of uh, Public Health uh, Global Health Initiatives Division. And that includes Dr. Lustig, the, the esteemed pediatric uh, endocrinologist. But uh, we were there, we were there working with them and they were explaining to us the effort at UC San Francisco to remove soda uh, from, the, from the, the, the broader campus. They have 65 buildings and 30,000 employees. And they were selling $5 million worth of soda pop every year. It took two years for these people out of the School of Medicine to, to get the, the soda out, but it's gone. You cannot buy a Coke at any of the hospitals, any of the units, any of the dorms, anywhere. There is no place where you can buy soda now. And they're really proud of that. I talked to my pediatrician. I think this is creative. I talked to her about it. She went and told Harry Rady, who is the, the Harry, it's Rady's Children's Hospital in San Diego. They're huge, a lot of locations, big buildings. And he's ready to take soda out of his, out of his, uh, out of his hospitals. And so I'm going to, I'm going to have this pediatrician travel around to every children's hospital in the United States and we're going to get the soda out. And that's such an easy thing to do, such a fun thing to do, I think, one at a time. And the argument goes like this. I mean, this was the simple discussion we had with Dr. Rady, that, that it's hard to believe that sugar is a pediatric toxin when you can buy it in the cafeteria at the children's hospital. But it is a pediatric toxin and so you can't sell it anymore. And I don't think anyone's going to fight us on that. I think we're going to be able to be able to get that done. And for those that don't want to play, we'll just run full page ads and explain to everyone <laughs> what they're that's, doing, right? That's the accountability. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> hey, um, the accountability was interesting on there. As you know, it's just, and, uh, and again, I'm just trying to have that conversation with you, but you would talk about, uh, 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 about uh, oneself and others to, de uh, to define goals. Um, It's interesting. Our, our, for us, the, the ability is, uh, is, a little, is a little different. Um, we've quantified the performance. And that has an, an, a, a, an accountability in the, in the sense of accounting. That, that I can give specific uh, uh, force, distance, and time. I can give numbers to your efforts. You did this workout and you did, took this much time. And the accountability looks like no, Casper, that was, that was 20 reps, not 21. And where were you yesterday? I'll be thrilled and if I get 20, let me tell you. Oh, you're going to do fine. <laughs> you're going to do fine. Where are you going? Where are you going to join? Uh, well, now that I know all the yeah, affiliates they are here, here, I'm going to see who gives me the best offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else? Well, one, well, Angie, I think you had the first question. Oh, sure. Well... Following on what you just said, I had a good conversation with Brian right before we were 
up here and he was saying how in the in the CrossFit boxes you're not trying to change beliefs but you are changing behaviors yes. and you and I were talking about belief a bit and the way that belief operates in religious communities in your view and the way that it that it functions at CrossFit so I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about the status of belief yeah you don't um I would have the client that has me sitting down. There, there's the type that you'd have to explain about delta-5 desaturation, omega-6 fatty acid metabolism, flow charts, give the detailed justification for everything you're doing. And, and that's the kind of person, do you have a card? No, well, let me get your number down. Then you run into them six months later and you have to do the same lecture. And it's like, it's, it's never going anywhere. They're never gonna come to the gym. So after a while, when someone would say to me, you know, what's CrossFit? I'd be like, well, what are you doing Monday morning? You know, I wanna show them. And I, I want to say as little as possible, other than just getting to know you and have that interaction and get you moving. But what's really interesting is that in our community, what happens is that the, the rationale, the belief, the understanding comes, comes on the trail of the results. And you don't have to do any twisting or convincing at that point. So once a guy's lost, lost you know, 50 pounds of fat and picked up 20 pounds of muscle, he, he feels a self-anointed uh, expert on omega-6 fatty acid metabolism flow charts <laughs> and, and you know, inflammatory versus non-inflammatory eicosanoids, and they actually start lecturing on that stuff, <laughs> which is really funny because uh, um, no one ever came to the table because of that. Mm. And, and uh, the talking's too much. And so, you know, we, what is CrossFit? Well, it's, constant, it's, it's a, a constantly varied high-intensity functional movement. And if you say that to someone in an elevator, you're blowing it because it really conveys nothing. Right, right. But once you've been crossfitting for a few years, you, it has deep meaning to you. You, know? you, <laughs> you, you understand, and, and the same people do the same thing. Um, they didn't come into the explanations. They got tricked by a friend, lured by a trainer, someone saying, just come with me. Or then there's those that, like, I want a body like hers or like his. You know, I'm seeing what's going on. I never liked that girl, but look at her. Wow, I'm going to the gym. You know, some of that stuff. Um, was going. Well, I, I think you leave us at the point where I want to jump in, which is, you know, if, if I was someone who was, was thinking critically about what you were just saying, and okay, so, you know, people are changed physically, and they, they build community, and they find, um, you know, m might find a purpose, maybe taking action um, around the soda issue. Let's say, you know, my mom passes away. Am I, am I going to call Am I going to call the trainer? Like, how, how much of church can be replicated? And is that even what you're trying to do? There's, there's, there's no attempt, and it's there in a huge way. A huge way. And, uh, you know, with 13,000 affiliates, we've seen, we've seen a lot of tragedy. We've had affiliates. Uh, I've had two affiliates murdered in their gyms. Um, I've had, uh, uh, we've had a, a couple of suicides. Um, it's the nature of 13,000 small businesses, right? Um, we had an affiliate in Hawaii that, that uh, hung herself on her pull-up bar, been troubled with depression her whole life, and the membership hit us up like, we don't know what to do, you know? And so we bought new equipment and rented them a space and set them up down the road, you know? And it was really neat to be in a position to do that. But uh, no, this, this community's tight. The tribes are closely allied, um, and, but within the tribe is where all the love is. We had an affiliate where the trainer, as a 45-year-old, had had a 45-year-old female had some kind of uh, uh, spinal infarct that, uh, that left her with a significant amount of paralysis. 
and she, it happened while she was driving, she crashed her car and was hurt there. The, by the time we were, found out what was going on, the, uh, the uh, membership had gone to school and picked up her 15-year-old son, um, were there at the hospital, um, they had bought her a new car, you know, and they were, wanted us to come out when she came back into the gym. No, this is a, and, and all my affiliates, everyone here knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's, uh, I think it's, it's something we love and something we appreciate, but we take it for granted because it, it's, just, it's just who we are. There's a, there's a powerful selective force on, our, on the community, on the four million people that do CrossFit. Um, the holy grail for my industry has, I think, always been that, you know, five minutes a day and without really getting your heart rate up or any sweat, you're going to get fit, right? The thigh master notion, you know, <laughs> while watching TV. And, well, it's, it's, it's BS. It doesn't work that way. Um, to get supremely fit is, it, it's extremely hard. It's extremely uncomfortable. It's, for the most part, it's fun only when it's over. That's the <laughs> truth of it. And, uh, and, and even if you don't come into the door understanding that, you learn that. It is the physical domain, the physical province is the ideal place to teach um, uh, tougher lessons. Um, I, I, the things I can teach you in the gym, you know, if you, if, you have, if you have trouble making it to the gym and trying some pull-ups, you're going to find emotional control, spiritual control, intellectual control. You know, I think the, the journey to self-mastery begins in the physical province because that is the easiest place both to impart essential lessons of success and it's the easiest place to absorb them. Just for, like, kids. I mean, that's what, that's what PE class should be about kids about them getting activity and learning, learning about success, learning how to achieve, right? And where does achievement come from? Blood, sweat, tears, and other bodily fluids, you know, <laughs> and lots and lots of frustration, exasperation. And the CrossFit community, the CrossFitters, um, they're, they're pre-selected for some of that, I believe, but certainly over time, they get it beat into them. And so a CrossFitter is more likely to want to study physics than say, pick your favorite fun major at the party school. And they're more likely to, uh, uh, oh, they're not looking for the easy way out ever because they know that good things only come through the hard way and so all the thieves are gone. We don't have any thieves in our community. Every year at the game, someone loses a wallet. Every year at the game, the wallet is found. The cards are there and so is the money. So when I heard this time, I tell the skipper, I want to know when someone's lost the wallet because I want to tell them it's going to show up. <laughs> and it does, it does every time. We can leave valuables in our gym. How, any of your members have keys? A third of my membership had keys. Anyone that wanted a key to the gym could have it. Yeah, there's a, the, the thieves are gone. The, the people looking for shortcuts are gone. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful community. I'm really proud of everybody. Awesome. Well, I know there are lots of questions in the room, so let's open it up. Um, I'm going to ask if uh, ooh, Lou has the roving microphone. Thank you so much, Lou. In, uh, well, you're right next to Lou, so let's start with you. What a fantastic idea. Is this on? Just, just give us a second for the mic. You're talking a lot about the, I'm a crossfeeder for three years. And, um, <laughs> and I find more than physical, I find it um, almost like a meditation because of the counting that we do. It's one hour of the day that I don't think about anything but what I'm doing there because we, you have to count. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it's true. Uh, you know yeah. more than anybody. Because yeah. if you don't count four push-ups and 16 and how many rounds, you're lost. Yeah. 
it's, it's, it, for me, I go every day at 6.30 in the morning, and I make myself take a day off once a week. But for me, it's like going to, uh, to a church or something. Mm. I go in the snow and the ice. It's fabulous. I'm the oldest one in my box. <laughs> Thank you for that. They love you too, don't they? <laughs> I know they do. But isn't it part of your thing? I mean, why did you do it with the numbers and the counting? Is it did you have a purpose? No. <laughs> yeah, I, just got, I just got lucky. I never had, you know, like the, like the 21, 15, and 9 kind of things, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, look, you know, um, human performance is movement. All movement has, has if, it's, if, if you're going to make sense, if you're going to talk sensibly about it, you need to resolve it to the fundamental units of kinematics. You have no choice. Force, distance, and time. Um, to do that correctly requires counting, <laughs> or we won't be able to resolve the thing down to kinematic fundamentals. So you've got to be able to count reps. Um, it would help to know what you weigh, and it'd be nice to know what the bar and the plates weighed. It'd be nice to know what the range of motion was on the activity, um, and how long did it take. And I'm out of things that matter. And so, so the, the, the uh, Numerical part was, is an essential, an essential feature. Look what, look what we've replaced. We're replacing bodybuilding and or long distance effort. The long distance effort was always judge how many miles did you do last week. And, and check that out, it was, you know, I ran 15 miles last week. Was that over 15 hours? <laughs> 40 hours? You know, you, I still don't have any valuable information. It's, it's kinematically incomplete. And the bodybuilders are over there measuring biceps in their waists and stuff, you know? And that's, that's not, that's not uh, we're not doing physics there yet. So um, both those things were, were technically, scientifically, profoundly misguided. And so the, 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 the result of that, two things happen. One is that you get better results, and the other thing is you have to count. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for what you're doing. Hi, um, thank you so much for coming. So, What's your name? Excuse me, my name's Karen. Hi, Karen. Um, so a lot of criticism of CrossFit sort of entails its risk of injury, you know, yeah. this timed notion to what is very high intensity, highly functional movement. Um, and of course, you know, I, I know how important form is, things like that, but, but I'm wondering if you think that such a strong community can play a role in maybe pushing someone past their limits. And you know, in this competitive nature, do you think that someone might try so hard to fit in that they get a herniated disc, things like that? What role do you think community plays in, in that? I, I think that's entirely possible. I think it's also likely that on Thanksgiving Day you can grab the basketball and go in the front yard with a bunch of cousins and uncles and someone will break a leg, you know? And it would be the same thing. You overdid it, you know? Um, but the truth of the matter is this, that we have, we have done 50 seminars at uh, Fort Stewart for the 3rd Infantry Division, and the number of the people that we have run through in our um, Spec Ops, SOCOM, and, uh, and other communities, um, this program is been, has been implemented officially in uh, scores of military organizations. You know, and I'll just use the language of uh, uh, General Abrams, who just got his fourth star and has uh, a million and a half men in his command. He says, we use CrossFit to fix people. And that's exactly right. Now, can someone get hurt through, the, through an activity? Of course. But I don't have the injury rate of the marathon. I don't have the injury rate of a triathlon. Um, we've had no EAHE deaths. 
Um, I'm not seeing anything like what we see in football, you know. Um, no, it, it, the, we're, we're saving lives and saving a lot of them. 350,000 Americans are going to die from sitting on the couch next year, from sitting on the couch. You know, that's dangerous. The TV's dangerous. Squatting isn't. You know, so. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. I, I just want to pick up on the military thing and then let's and go. And I want to add one thing to that, yeah. too. Someone said to me, I had a reporter, they go, well, you know, I just, I don't believe, and I know you're going to say all this, but I don't think CrossFit is for everyone. And I said, hmm, I, okay. But, but this is true. It's for anyone. What do you mean by that difference, Greg? Everyone means that the lazy people that want the, the short path, uh, they won't be there. Uh, but I don't care if you, if you congenital uh, 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 quadruple amputation in Kyle Maynard or, you know, I mean, we've seen it all. Um, if this is something you want to do, we're there for you. We're there for you. And I, I want to emphasize what really struck us when we were kind of researching the landscape was the way in which you know, people were bringing their kids to their box or the way that different workouts of the day were named after soldiers who had died in battle. So there's all of these you know, things that you would expect to see in a church in some way, you know, remembering the dead through some sort of um, ritual, uh, intergenerational community. Um, you know, as you said, if, if your car breaks down, people had stories of meeting their partner in the box and moving to be closer to the box because of that. You know, the, it, the, the, the parallels are so striking. And the first place they go when they move to a new place is to go find go the find box the in box. that local area. I had a young great. lady that tell me that she was, a, she was an army daughter and she had tragically been to four high schools. And, you know, she said that the moving used to be really hard on her. But she says now what she does is when she finds out it's going to move, she finds the box she's going to go to and goes right in there. And she goes, within a week, it feels like I've lived here my whole life. Let, here's a powerful testimony to how the fitness is maybe the, the glue that's holding everyone together. But there's something even more cohesive, even, even a stronger glue than the fitness. Um, one of my favorite CrossFitters is... Uh, what's, my, what's our artist in the wheelchair? I can't believe I'm blanking on his name because he's a childhood friend. Tommy Hollenstein. He's a quadriplegic, mm -hmm. but he's a crossfitter, mm -hmm. and he can kind of use one hand. And in, from what he saw at the games, he's building an apparatus to work that hand, and he's all excited about crossfit, you know? Mm -hmm. And he can, he can just do this. He paints with his wheelchair mm -hmm. and does, does amazing things, an electric wheelchair. But he's as, he's as much one of us as, as Rich Froning is, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I love the idea that I've got a an artist that's doing corporate art for us. He painted our, our floor and our main office with his wheelchair and his dog's footprints are in there that does his, <laughs> that's his, his companion, his uh, service dog. And uh, I think it's great that, we, that, that, that if, if the spirit's there, um, even the physical part doesn't matter. Mm. Huh? That's a quote. We had a gentleman in the green t-shirt over here. And thanks for bearing with us with the mic. It just means we can capture it all on video. Hey, I'm Chris. Thanks. Hi, Chris. Um, lots of things get cool very fast for a short period of time and then flame out. What is going to have to change for CrossFit to be sustainable long term? I have, I have no idea. And, I, and it, on some level, my staff will tell you, I don't care either. Um, Why don't you care? <laughs> 
look, you know, I've got 13,000 affiliates. Um, the first one was someone else's idea. The second one was someone else's idea. The third one was someone else's idea. Now what I'm going to do is just not screw it up. And so what we do, what staff does is we shoot down um, destructive ideas all day long. Most of them have some kind of revenue stream tied to them. Um, something that I'm going to do to you affiliates or the trainers to, to, to squeeze some revenue. And those, those ideas just don't quit coming. But uh, uh, I, I want to make the point again that, the, that we're the, the stewards of, of something that was quite spontaneous and natural. And I'm perfectly happy with, with what it's doing. I mean, the, the miracle will be surviving this growth. And so I certainly don't want any more. And I don't need a flood of, uh, I don't think that a, a, a mass conversion event that brought a flood of new talent into the boxes would do my affiliates any good. I think you absorb them at a natural rate that preserves the culture and you're actually, you know, you, you don't want all newbies in the gym. Uh, I, I, there's not much teleological in, in what we're doing. There really isn't. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a traditional business guy. Say something, Chris. What do you think? What's going on? I hear you. I mean, you, you, um, you think Can you use the microphone? Great. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, Thanks. I mean, maybe a better way to put it is if you feel like there's this unbelievable impact, uh, what, and maybe the short answer is nothing, what are you doing as an organization or as a leader to make sure that you accomplish that impact that you do want to have? Because well, I understand, like, you don't care if there's 26,000 versus 13,000, but you don't want soda. So you do want to accomplish something long term. Oh, I, you know what? I, I'm, what's happening in the boxes is nothing less than a, than a miracle of physiology and community. That I'm perfectly convinced of. And we're the fastest growing chain on earth. And so largely what I want to do is nothing. You know, um, I can't imagine it growing faster without being dangerous. And I can't imagine more healing than what we're currently seeing. You know, we got one of the only services you ever offer where my affiliates the smart ones do not even get close to describing the benefit that's about to come your way. If I gave you the list of things that I know is going to happen, you wouldn't believe it. And so I don't. I wait until you come tell me and then I act like I'm surprised. <laughs> so uh, I, think, I think, you know, look, maybe we're doing everything wrong, but I think everything's perfect. <laughs> Lady just behind you, yeah. You know, you get that, Chris, a smart idea could sink us. And especially, like, you know, it keeps getting described to me that I, I could own the, the, you know, the supplement industry or equipment. It's just ours for the taking. All I have to do is require that my affiliates use CrossFit branded gear. I'd lose some and I'd sell a whole lot of CrossFit branded gear. But you know what? It wouldn't be as good as Rogue gear. And it would hurt Rogue. And that would make it a sin. And so I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And so maybe in that respect, we're a little bit different. But you know what? I've got, a, I've got a, an essential relationship with Rogue, and I don't, as far as I know, we don't have a contract, an essential relationship with them. That's it. They're an affiliate, by the way. They're an affiliate. It was a guy that was welding equipment in his, in his garage for his gym, and then started doing it for other gyms. Now it's a $350 million a year business. I do like that. But, but this is really important because you're actively choosing to forfeit huge amount of profit to maintain the the rigor and the, the, the special something that is in the community. And I met Greg when he was speaking at the business school, um, and it was all about the case in terms of, you know, when 
I mean, the, the whole background is, is a little hazy for me, but essentially where you had... That's where you had the co-founder. Right, exactly. The co-founder situation where you kind of had to aggressively buy them out uh, at, you know, real financial risk, um, but doing it because they wanted, they had a different vision for selling all sorts of products, as you were mentioning, which would, which would undercut what was sacred. We were in a in, in negotiation for a purchase of the of my ex's half of the of the community property, CrossFit Inc. And um, uh, we got hoodwinked into a, a sudden appearance of uh, Anthos, the venture capital group. And basically, what we had was three weeks to raise uh, twenty million dollars, which was an absolute impossibility. But it turns out it's not if you're willing to pay back. 36 million, <laughs> you, can, you can get 20 overnight, you know? <laughs> I want to get to this lady's question. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, my name's Christy, uh, and something I think about as a coach a lot is how to create culture within my gym. Um, so I, my affiliate's a little bit different. It's all women um, here in the Boston area, and I know each affiliate um, has kind of a different culture or, like, stereotype to sure. them. And I think about how that builds different community. I'm wondering, like, as from your perspective, what do you think about uh, when each affiliate is thinking about their culture? How should we approach that um, so that we build the strongest community we can? You know, Christine, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to call what I'm going to tell you a recommendation. I'm not going to go that far because I, you know more about the culture in your box than I'll ever know. But I can speak to what I did in my box, and I can also tell you that I, I think that's what almost everyone else is doing that's finding success. Um, my clients were my friends. And I blurred that professional distinction. Like the beautiful thing about being a trainer is that you can blur that distinction. The things that would be wrong to do as a shrink, an attorney, or an accountant, um, like we do. I mean, my trainers date their clients. Sorry, but I just it happens. They marry them too and have kids with them, you know? Uh, but but I, I I lived and hung out and breathed and played. You know, we, were, we would do weekend bike rides. Every Sunday, we had a, a bike ride that was uh, uh, about seven miles and uh, very steep. And uh, it was the, the least capable would get up there, and I think it was 45 minutes, and the most capable in, in half that. Um, uh, but at the end, when we all met at the top, we went down the hill, the seven miles. That happened very quickly. And we all went to a local Mexican restaurant. And it was margarita time. <laughs> and that was the Sunday deal, you know? And I'd say the turnout might have been 50, 60 people. We just crushed this restaurant. But it was a, it was a, it was a you know, give it your name, a congregation, a club, a community. These are friends. These are friends. And I, I, I don't think that can be improved on. Uh, you listen, you listen to the people talk about the relationships they have in their box, and they're not, they're not wishing for, for something different. You know, it's, it's, it's happening already. And so I, I imagine, I'm going to guess you already have the answer. Right? Maybe. Are yeah. you hanging with them? I mean, do you stuff? Are these like your sisters? Are these your best friends? Yeah, some of them. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Lou, I'm a couple gonna... of them sitting next to me. Forgive me. <laughs> Lou, would you be willing, there's a, a man at the very back in that corner, yes. which is a little bit of a workout, but he's very keen. And after that, I'm going to come to uh, an, a, a particular Presbyterian minister who's sitting over there, who, I just want, who I'm just interested to see what he has to say. Uh, I'm not a Presbyterian minister, but I'm a 2006 grad of this institution. And 
uh, CrossFitter since 2009, and about 4.07, I was sitting in a coffee shop uh, across the street, no, actually in Mass Ave, and I saw that my uh, box owner, Brian, who's sitting over there, had just posted that he was going to be here, and I discovered, and I think I was here by 4.12, because uh, <laughs> it's my profit at my seminary. <laughs> However, having said that, I was never a very religious man until I did CrossFit, and I, it was problematic because I'm also a Jesuit historian, I studied the Jesuits, and I can really never really get into the spiritual exercises until I set a wadding. And I now am able to see how that structure functions uh, in a way that I wasn't able to do before, because for some reason I'm a sort of barbarian when it comes to religion. And, I see it, I see that for other people, the symphony, you know, is really quite incredible. But, you know, I like to observe it, but I'm not quite, I don't quite get in the same level as some other people do. However, through physical exercise, I'm capable of doing it. Uh, that's a long way around a saying that I, I, I have one concern. One concern, and that concern, it comes also from sort of American uh, religious history, and that has to do with competition between local churches. And the notion that, you know, you get the, you know, religion in America is so vibrant because uh, churches have long, competed for a long time. And I definitely, I mean, community within boxes, I've been to member a long time, you know, for two, three years, a member in uh, three different boxes and uh, three different states, countries. And, you know, it's been a really important thing for me to join as soon as I've uh, arrived at a new location. However, I am... I've noticed, and perhaps not as much here, it seems like relations are more amicable between boxes locally. Mm. But this is my biggest concern. In the last two locations that I, that what I was at, there were definitely, there were, you know, there was little love lost for the lo other comp uh, competing local box. And that's, I think, in the long term, I'm wondering what can you do about that? Is there an institutional fix? Because People are, you know, people are making a living. People, you know, and that's the sort of local uh, situation where the profit motive comes in, and that's like, that's my sort of biggest concern over the long term. It's great when you're in your own box. It's amazing when you find a find a new box somewhere elsewhere in the world or in the country. But the trickiest situation, I think, is that just mm. the relationships between the local affiliates. What can you do about that in the long term? Let me just start by acknowledging the problem. Um, I see it. It's, 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 it's interesting. Um, my Hawaiian affiliates hate each other. Probably shouldn't have said that, but that's what it seems like to me. We keep having to settle Hawaiian affiliate nonsense. Um, ones in Santa Monica are, are it's got something kind of epic going on too. In Edmonton, Canada, they honor each other's memberships and it's working for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, but, but you know what? Like, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. The little guy gets a flood of people. The guy that's overcrowded gets some, some reducing, you know, some, some, some breathing room. And it really has been good for everybody. I, that's how I would roll. Um, I liked other trainers around me, always. Um, there was no better way for me to show how good I was than to train next to someone, anyone else. And so when I had a landlord tell me, don't worry, I won't put a fitness gym in this complex, I'm like, put, put a, nothing but that in here, you know? 
And if I can't take your clients and take them what? They watch me train and go, I'm not getting what I could. Um, if I can't take your clients, I need to learn something from you. And if I do, you need to learn something from me. But uh, I, I, would, I, wouldn't, I can't imagine fearing the competition. I also know this is true. Um, every, everyone, you know, there's, there's, you're, you're very rare to get into a new town, I'm gonna find the CrossFit gym, that's a veteran, you know? Your boxes are full of people that were drugged in by the other people that were in your box. That's where they come from. People drag their friends and family and loved ones, bosses, employees, they bring them in. And a, 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 a gym will max out at, uh, you know, a couple hundred, 300 people. You're really, really busy. You got a lot going on. You have a, you have a very serious business underway here. And so, yes, how many, and, and everyone in there was brought in. And so you can have as many boxes, I think, as you could Boy Scout troops or, or even churches. And there would be a, it, it would, it's, it's just a poverty of spirit that would have you hating the guy across the street, you know? But I'll tell you too, I've, I've known so many examples where, there, where there's friendship and camaraderie and, and a healthy competition, entirely different spirit with the guys across the street. We have an affiliate in uh, San Diego that's a church affiliate. And then there's the non-church one across the street. And they compete and play and it's really, it's really fun. But there's, uh, you know, I've, I've heard this story. Um, there's so many boxes in my town um, and, and, they're, and um, they're not qualified, um, they're not doing good training, they're getting people hurt, and they're really busy, and that's why I don't have any clients. <laughs> We go and look, and what we find, here's first of all, I'll just tell you what happened. The person's just no fun and no one wants to be around them, okay? <laughs> They've learned to blame other people for their mistakes. They think that the guy that's, that's really popular is popular because he's hurting people. You know, no, no. What, what we see when we hear that, it's, a, it's a, a wildly overestimated sense of your own capacities. Um, you're generally no fun to be around. And it's probably best if you just didn't stay in business, you know? I mean, that happens. I'm not going to make a parallel with ministers and their colleagues <laughs> at all. <laughs> you can't help but make it, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, Burns, I want to come to you. My name is Burns, and I am indeed a Presbyterian pastor. I confess right here. <laughs> um, and did not know a lot about CrossFit until Casper and Angie began educating me. Um, I'm fascinated by it all. Um, and I, too, am fascinated by the merit badges. You know, I want those as well, I <laughs> yeah. guess. All um, six. Um, and it may be that my question has something to do with the interconnection. I know that as a pastor, I'm very, very interested in how individuals develop and their growth. And I'm not talking about some of the same metrics you've got, but still growth, you know. Um, and their own benefit. I'm also very, very much concerned with how they care for each other. And I hear you talk about the community that happens in these boxes. Um, there is this other piece where, where I'm very, very interested in their growth and their care for others that goes to neighbor, you know, any neighbor, whoever that might be, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, it sounds like you share some of that concern in your heart. I am, I am curious about the connections you see between personal development, 
um, caring for people in your tribe, caring for others not in your tribe. Um, I, mean, I, I, I hear you, you know, commenting on where you see it or where you don't see it. it what are the connections? What are the connections you see in, in your own box or, or, or others? Um, like, you know, my development, what is that, how, how, how's that connected to my community? How does that make possible further or get in the way of um, love of neighbor? I'm just interested yeah, in those connections. One of the two common testimonials I'd get. One is I have a rocky relationship, and since I've been crossfitting, we've patched it up. It's good. This was it was it been on a bad path, and now it's on a great one. Thank you. And I'd get about an equal number of I was in a bad relationship, and I finally left, and I wouldn't have done it without CrossFit. And, it, and in both instances, it sounds like a really good thing has happened. Um, when, I'm sorry, in the, in the corner, the, what was your name? Larry. Larry? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was hearing from you a kind of refined version of my belief that the more advanced, uh, most important lessons can, can best be taught in the, in, the, in the physical province. I think you did that to yourself, perhaps. I have operators that tell me of worst case scenarios, I'm talking about uh, uh, spec ops guys, you know, Delta Force SEALs, talking about being on, on ops where things are going just wrong. And they, and they, they are writing me to let me know, I thought of CrossFit in you, and it made me laugh. And I've heard that so many times. Mm. That, and that there's something there. There's some kind of stress inoculation that comes out of the heart. So, I'd expect there's a hormonal component to this. There's, it's, there's, it, you know, the doctor might even have a, well, you hear this, Axel? You know, what, what, are, the, what are the relationships between, between a healthy body and, and a fully functioning uh, brain? It, it has to be immense, right? It, it, it can't be that this is the only organ system that it isn't um, uh, uh, dramatically in, enhanced through activity. In fact, we know it's not. Yeah, I think you, you know, alluded earlier, the thieves are gone. You <laughs> know, I mean, I think that, that speaks for itself. I mean, you know, it, it makes people, in a sense, you know, grow in, in good attributes. And, you know, I can't comment how that reaches out for, you know, the non-members or, you know, but I think that is a strong testimony and, um, I think what I'm curious, and I think we want to measure that, you know, the mind development of people and the spiritual satisfaction. So I like, I'm curious to know, you know, when somebody starts to become a CrossFit member, to start it, like, you know, Casper may do in three weeks, you know, what are the goals from the starting point, okay, on different levels, not just physical fitness, but also mind fitness, you know, uh, emotional intelligence, you know, personal satisfaction, social satisfaction, professional satisfaction. I think it would be very interesting to know how all these measures, they are individual and they may be different by each individual person, but how they change, you know, if a person is in a structure uh, exercise, you know, program and they feel better, you know, medically they sleep better, you know, I hear that from my patients, 
They sleep better, they lose weight, they become better spouses, they become better parents, you know, they have more time. Even so, they have to carve out an hour from their day to do the exercise, but they say, I hear this from many people, they get more achieved in the remaining hours than they do it without the exercise. And I think, you know, that's fascinating. I think the biggest challenge, what I see as a clinician, is for people to make that step to do start ex an exercise program. And I think, um, you know, if somebody does it in their own house, you know, going on a treadmill, you know, they depending solely on themselves, you know, and they can then, you know, have that struggle, are they gonna end up on the couch watching TV, you know, or are gonna go on the, on the treadmill watching TV, you know? And I think, you know, what Craig mentions, you know, this camaraderie and the team, that's kind of a, um, you know, we mentioned yesterday peer pressure, which has a bit of negative, <laughs> you know, um, sound to it, but I think it's more a motivation. You know, there's other people, they want to see you, you know, and they may reach out when you're not showing up. And it's They will not, reach out. They will. Yeah, <laughs> right, but, but I don't yeah. see it, you know, with the negative connotation as a cult, but I see it as a, you know, inspiration to help each other grow under strong attributes. And I think that's easier achieved in a team uh, or in a community than in a, if a person is all on the, by, the, by themselves. Burns, I have a, a, a parlor trick of sorts that I've encouraged my affiliates to, to, to perform for their new members. And what you tell him or her is that I want you to go home tonight and I write, write down everything that would make you a better person. And don't let it just be blood pressure and cholesterol and skinny or not the gym kind of stuff, but reach deep into some things that really matter to you. And then you tell them, and I'm never going to look at it, and no one else is either. This is just for you. But I want you to write down a list of things and take, take a half hour and think all those things that could make you a better person. And you're going to hide it, and you're going to do CrossFit for six months, and you're going to go look at it again, and I want you to give yourself a score. And what I know is that anything you put on there, if it made any kind of sense at all, if it's anything that we would all think, yeah, that'd make you better, like a better dad, you know, a better boss, you know, kinder to my neighbors. If you... If those things on your list, you're going to say, I'm, 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 it's happening. It's happening. Mm. And so exercise performed in a community at high intensity makes people better. And I'm not, I, don't get, I don't get to be the judge. You can for yourselves. And I know every, all my affiliates in here know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. That's, there's something magical there. We are in possession of something um, more profound and more impactful than was in the design or in the creation of this. You know, look, all I knew was that the whole world was working out wrong. I didn't know what the price was for not working out correctly. We're only coming to terms with that now by taking several million people and putting them on an entirely different path. And what's really interesting to me is that there's a divergence of CrossFitters and those that don't. And with each passing year, the CrossFitters are getting fitter and fitter, and the sedentary are getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And pretty soon, you're going to be able, from a mile away, just sort the CrossFitters out in a, in a, in a, a Disneyland. By the way, uh, Maggie and the kids were just at Disneyland, and they, they saw like six or seven rogue shirts, and the rogue shirts were outnumbering the CrossFit shirts at Disneyland. <laughs> we, you know, we put, we put our brand on the people. And so we can sit at a Starbucks or a Whole Foods and just ID CrossFitters. Look, there's one, her. 
you know, look at the shoes, You've got sores on the hands, that's my drill right there, you know, and the body's unmistakable. And that's, this is all new, stuff that has never happened before. Greg, if yes. you'll humor me for this as we move into our last half hour, I just wanna, we've, we've been using a lot of language that has a religious relationship, right? Congregation and sin and miracles and healing and yeah. the one that I've heard come up the most is spirit. Yeah. Poverty of spirit, spiritual transformation, yeah. And I'm just wondering for you, given you know the sort of the sort of elephant in the room of CrossFit as church question mark exclamation point. A lot of people they hear church and they hear God, and not speaking for CrossFit for for you when you say spirit, what do you mean? It, for me, it's it's a it's a, a bucket that I'm going to put all those things that are hugely important that I can't quantify, prove, demonstrate. You know, it's the stuff that really matters. I gave you the example early. Um, you know, I can't, there's, there's, there's no mathematical model, and I believe there's no, there's no physical model that will support your belief in having free will. But you, if you can't function s sanely without it. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, um, my love for my kids and, and my wife, I mean, those are, the, I can't prove that to you. Well, the, here's the CrossFit line, this is a little bit, little bit harsh, but hey, it's who we are. I said, if we're going to have a debate on free speech, on the First Amendment, I'm coming with a rifle. Um, that's, I, can't, I can't give you a logical reason why it is that a person should have the right to speak their mind freely. It's just, it's, it's like free will, it's like loving my daughter, you know? Mm. Those are the most important things in our world. They're more important than the stuff I can measure. Mm. It's more important than my cholesterol. It's more important than my, my Fran time. And so, you know, what do we, and I think this is the problem. I think this is where your unaffiliated kind of thing came from, that you're like, man, there's stuff hugely important to all of us that, that, that what they, they uh, speak to your, your refinement as, as a human being, to your, your culture and just kindness. I mean, it, so much is so important. And uh, we, don't ha we don't have any way to measure it or it's even hard for us to talk about, right? You do things like ask, what do you mean by spirit? No? What do you mean? Yeah. It's tough. Come to Divinity School. We'll yes. talk yeah. about it. Um, yeah. I want to get some questions from this side of the room. I was wondering, like, I was asked yeah. Jeff Kane, we have our professor, and we were talking about Divinity School, and I go, and, and, and I think I know what divine is. And I said, there ought to be a sublimity school for oh. studying the sublime, you know? Dean Hempton, take that on board for the record. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just over here, lady in the black top. Thank you so much. My name is Annie Selleck. I'm a member of Forever CrossFit as well as a Catholic minister and a theologian. And I study the church um, and what is the church. So this is my jam. Um, but one of the things that I've, and I've been writing on this and been trying to think and the, the thing that keeps floating in my head that I can't quite figure out the parallels or not parallels um, is the connection between Sabbath and rest, mm. right? So rest is a very important part of CrossFit. Your muscles like, need to rest, need to grow. Sabbath is also a deeply theological um, concept. Um, depending on the religion, depends how deep that goes. So I would just like to hear your thoughts on that. I don't even have a specific question, but yeah. what, what does, when I say I Sabbath would, and rest and CrossFit, yeah. what happens in your brain about that? Listen, I... I would think that they may have common origins. Right? Fair enough. But I don't know. You know, I'm kind of a Hayekian in the sense that um, I'm, I would be loath to disrupt a, a f effective 
organizations and, and, uh, and uh, cultural traditions, you know? You, you could, we could find out why by getting rid of it, right? <laughs> I know what happens when I you don't I think that's rest. already happened, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. This very, it's interesting to me, though. I mean, I'm intrigued, but I don't, I don't see them as, as different. Can, can you talk a little bit more about? Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I mean, like, what, what's because the theological? What, what would you think is the, the theological difference? Like, how how is resting from working out different from Sabbath time from the everyday? I'm I'm not sure how they're different, and I do think there's a common origin. I remember one of the um, things... I gave a good answer. Yeah, I think you did a great answer. Um, when I first joined CrossFit, the, one of the things that baffled me the most is that hardly anyone has classes on Sundays. Um, and I looked to the right and the minister bell started going off of like, okay, well, I don't think this is so people can go to church. Um, why, why is this? Um, um, but I also think like your example about um, the Sunday bike rides... Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of boxes have similar things for that. So whether intentional or not, I think that's being the way that's being used in CrossFit communities um, is this sense of being together, building community in a different way other than the typical way that we're together. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that would also, it would be almost the exact opposite parallel in churches where you think Sundays are times where you come together for worship and then you're together for religious education or men's group or women's group or Bible or this or that. Um, so I think it's similar ways of how are we together? Um, how do we gather together? What is different about this? Um, but how do we still build community in that and express who we are? You know, it's, it's, it's always cool to decontextualize group relationships and get the group outside of where it does its group thing always. And so it's really fun to get 12 people in a car and go to Moab with mountain bikes and do something, you know, get away from home, away from... And uh, uh, I, I, we, we live that with staff, you know, I've got a... I've got a a couple of dozen staff that I've been to 80 countries with. I just got to say, when you walked in, there was like a posse, Greg with the 12. I, it was. These are, these are my best friends on earth, and That's we've the been. the apostle analogy I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? You, you get, I don't mean Judas. I don't mean Judas. <laughs> yeah, where's the Judas? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, have, I think I have an answer for that, for your thing is, remember that it, Church in many ways has now become a weekly thing, right? There's one day of Sabbath, but but CrossFit's like six days of Sabbath. I mean, we're 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 breaking bread together, so to speak, six days, five days a week. You know, we're in the box together working out, and you almost need we get the opposite. Our Sabbath, our rest days, to get out of the box and maybe spend a little time resting or with yourself, or maybe your nuclear family, or maybe some other friends outside of the box. But it's, I mean, you you do need some time for yourself. And so it, to me, the rest days and the days off from the box, and I'm, I'm in the box, I've been across for 10 years, but I'm in, the, in a box for the first time. I belong to a, a box. And it's a neat experience. You know, Halloween, we're all dressed up and doing workouts on a Saturday in our Halloween costumes. <laughs> but, you know, we, we also need some time off from that to, to take care of things at home and all that. And so it feels to me those rest days are the time that we need to maybe recharge away from all of our you know, the, the people that we're communing with every day mm. and sweating with and working with. And, you know, you little, need a little time for yourself. And so I don't, it doesn't strike me as 
odd at all. You know what's interesting? I don't know that I would recommend anything seven days a week. <laughs> That's probably why. It's interesting, yeah. you know? I want to get a couple more questions in. We've got, great, <laughs> fantastic. Um, let's go to this gentleman over here. Uh, hi, my name is Jim, and uh, I'm an older person. Um, and that's my perspective of, that's the perspective of my question. Uh, my sense is that uh, most older people going to church these days go with a different purpose than the few younger people that go to church, that remain going to church these days. And my other sense is that never having a new CrossFit uh, box, I, it's probably flipped. It's probably a lot of younger folks and very few older folks. So my question is this. If an older person comes to CrossFit, what, what are they being offered or what are they looking for? What are they looking for? Let me start with, what, with, our, with our understanding of the physiology and the exercise response. Um, what we teach at the level ones is that the needs of Olympic athletes and your grandparents they differ by degree, not kind. One wants functional dominance to, to win gold medals, and the other wants functional competence to stay out of the nursing home. And I use the same exercises to get you a gold medal that I'd use to keep you out of a nursing home in 15 years. And that would be squat, deadlift, etc. cetera. Um, these movements are built into your DNA. They were invented by no man. No one can say, look at this, I invented this. No, you're lying. You just stood up. <laughs> no one invented picking something up off the ground. No one invented putting something overhead. And yet, if you don't do CrossFit, you don't stand up normally, correctly, the way that you were designed to. You won't pick things up off the ground. It's very unlikely that the approach by which you pick something off the ground is mechanically sound, is, a, is the m match that it could be, should be, and used to be for the, for the genetic hard wiring that makes those movements part and parcel of who we are. Um, your functional independence is the, is the most important thing you have. And it's more important than not getting heart disease, not getting cancer. You know, the horrible thing about cancer and heart disease, it, it, it would, be, would be that loss of your independence. Loss of life is, is, is one thing, but loss of life is certain. We're all going to die, everyone here. Um, what you don't want to do, and I think this is where I'm afraid medical science was taking us, that one day we're going to leave to be 150, but you still go to the nursing home when you're 75. So you got 75 years of Oprah and, you know, <laughs> Jello on plastic spoons. Um, I'm not interested. Theodore Dalrymple, the physician and editor for the Wall Street Journal, years ago, pre-internet, was writing that that. Uh, He'd been studying centenarians, and he said the amazing thing about them was what remarkable health they're in, and yet their life expectancy is 2.5 years. Mm -hmm. And what happens to centenarians is they're remarkably free of chronic disease, but they experience an accelerated demise. Mm -hmm. And what he explained is that that's the best case scenario. And so my goal for you would be to, to get you eventually, for, take as long as we can, to an accelerated demise. I'd like you to turn 100 and be in perfect health. That's, that's as good as it gets. What Dalrymple also said in that article is that this will, it can only happen through diet and exercise. It wasn't going to happen through, through medical discovery or advancement. And so you need to squat, sir. You need to deadlift. <laughs> and, 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 and very much so. If I, can take, I can take young ladies and seniors and put two fingers on their shoulders and they can't do this. They can't stand up past it. So their marginal capacity to stand 
is about 50 pounds away from, not, from being gone. And uh, that'll take only about 50 years, you know? Um, if, you're, if you're 65 and I can hold you down like that, what we can do is we can teach you how to squat so that in a year I can wrap myself around you and you'll stand up with me holding on to you. And that makes the difference between whether you can, you can live independently or not. Let's get a couple more uh, at the very back. Good sorry. answer, right? Does that work for you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's very real. The work we've done with seniors has been spectacular. And there was a wonderful story. I can't, was it on CBS of an older woman in New York? Yeah. A wonderful story. She was in her late 70s, I think. 76. 76. She was about to, I think, have to move into a home. She lost her husband. But, um, and and the, I think you know, that was one half of the answer, which I heard in your question. I think the other half was about the community that, that supported her through that, um, through that kind of recovery process. And that even though she was significantly older than the average age in the books, that there was a real welcome, um, which, which is great to hear. Lennon. Um, hi, I'm Lennon. Um, and thank you. I was really excited to come in and be a super skeptic. And now I'm going to look into CrossFit. Um, <laughs> so, I could be kind of screwed in this question because I don't know a lot about religion or CrossFit. Um, but what brought, what brought you here? I'm one of the people for this gathering. Is it a mistake? We were also in, um, in the report and uh, you know, it was a surprise, a kind yeah. of landing probably similarly. Um, but I guess my question is, if you start from the, the basic premise that a lot of faith traditions ultimately boil down to love each other, right? It strikes me that in what you've described, and I think a lot of questions and people in this conversation has been kind of circling around it, that you figured out somehow a Trojan horse mechanism to get people to that end, starting with the goal that's about, you know, fulfilling your genetic potential, you know, and um, going out and being your best possible sense. But then in the end, people really do love each other a lot and show up in their behaviors, kind of show up in that particular way. So I guess my question is, do you see CrossFit as a mechanism for inculcating a certain set of values um, through the back door? Mm. And if so, what are those values? Or is it a mechanism through which people with very different values come to love each other? The, the, the assumption in your, in your question, the preamble was brilliant. And I'm glad you came here because I, I think you have it exactly right. And yes, 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 and yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> even on the alt. <laughs> Yeah, I liked all of that. I liked all of that. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, tell me about your skepticism, because I like the skeptic. Because I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm that guy. Well, I want to push you, Greg, on, on that question, though. Like, is there, is there a set of values that you want well, people... Well, sure. What I'm telling you is that the, I, I want to I repeat that I think that the strategies, paradigms, successful uh, mechanisms are best imparted and received in the physical province. And that includes a lot of things like commitment and honesty and, and camaraderie. There's another element here too, and I, we just, let's just get right to it. There is something that may be a corollary to the Stockholm Syndrome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had an a, a, a army captain call me up all excited one day, and a fascinating man. He said, I, I, I figured out something huge. He goes, it, it, in the, in the Special Forces, where everything's camaraderie, camaraderie. We use the word loosely and constantly, and it's, it's hugely important. He goes, I just figured out how, what it's made of, mm. what, what its constituent elements are. And he says, it's agony coupled with laughter. Mm. And I was like, oh, God, God, I know. I know what he's talking about. Um, you got a lot of laughter going on in your gym? 
we do all the time every day. I mean, it was hilarious. And it was, it was often pointed, sharp. It was, you know, some of it nasty, all of it fun. But there was a, there was a lot of laughter, right, Jimmy? Didn't oh, you in yours? Oh, heck yeah. I don't think any of the big numbered boxes don't, people aren't having both the worst time of their life and the best. <laughs> and, and that does something very different to you. E egos leave, you know. There's so much that, that keeps us from being who and what we could be to each other, that, especially from the guys that comes from ego and from the gals that comes from mood, you know. Mood's, mood's interesting thing. Let me just share some of my biases here with you. Um, uh, a woman will get up in the morning and go, I'm in a bad mood. And you go, oh, thanks for that. I appreciate the heads up. I'm going to be over here, you know. <laughs> Guys don't recognize mood in themselves. Mm. And what a guy will think has happened, he'll think the universe changed overnight while he was sleeping. And so the guy's just in a shitty mood, right? And I go, what's wrong? And he's like, Russ owes me 10 bucks. And he's not, you know, and I go, he's, is this that same 10 bucks from like last year? Yeah. And the traffic was bad. And I'm like, dude, the traffic's bad every single day. You know? <laughs> like, and, and so I have to tell, I have to tell my, my male athletes and clients that if, if, you, if, if the world changed overnight while you slept, it, it, you probably got it wrong. It's probably you. Probably you. you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a lot of the, the moodiness and the, and the ego that, that I think um, makes a lot tough for us is eliminated. Let me speak to our example, our, what we've learned as a company with virtual offices. I used to say that we were a virtual company. My tech guys hated it. Company's real, the offices are virtual. We grew to a, <laughs> I go, you're right, Ben. <laughs> it's the tech guy, right? Um, we, were, we were a global brand before we had a headquarters. Mm. And, and I was, so I'm running virtual offices. I wanted to learn something about it. So I went to the business literature and there was nothing of value. And what was interesting is that much of the, the little that was there was fundamentally wrong. Um, the concern seemed to be with virtual offices of shirking, people not doing their job, it, it, nonsense. Um, with virtual offices, shirking is impossible because everybody is only identified by the work product. Sure. And so the person that shirks, you don't get emails. You don't see them doing anything. And you know, what does she do? Nothing. It's just how it is. In the, in the brick and mortar world, the shirkers are the first ones there, and they're the last ones to leave. And every time you go by their office, they're looking at the monitor, right? And so you, it's hard, you, you can be confused by, by other, other elements. Here's the downside of the virtual offices, and it is, and it is, it is, it is a significant um, problem. And it's that about a third of the human race won't treat people decently that they don't have to see on a regular basis. Mm. And that really irks me. Mm. And so we have a collegiality, uberalis kind of <laughs> mindset here. Get along or hit the road. Right. Um, incompetence, I can muster forces and fix it. And so we can hire people that need a break, that need a chance, that life hasn't been what yeah. it could have been for them that yeah. don't have the best of skills. We brought them in on staff and everyone else can pitch in. Now and they're work sitting here. No, and, and, <laughs> and make it go. But the, uh, I'll just say it, the no asshole rule, um, right. the, 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 those types, um, that's communicable. Yeah. And it just takes one to take, make other people the same way and it'll just rip through an organization. Greg, we've got about two minutes left and I want to ask the final question. Is that okay? You can do it. 
every movement, well, nearly every movement has a charismatic founder. What happens when you die? Um, I've got a, I've got a, a wonderful uh, cadre of, of, uh, of uh, senior execs that are about half my age. <laughs> And, and they're beautiful, and they're charming, and they're talented, and uh, they're, they're going to have no trouble carrying the mantle, none at all. I have no, no, no fear of that. I'm a, I've got a better bench than any leader in any organization anywhere. I know that. Mm. Listen, most of my people, nine years without a paycheck. Mm. He worked for me for nine years without getting a check. Mm. I got a lot of, most of the people that work for me work for free. And then a business erupted, and they got jobs. And so, you know, yeah, you, I, we know where we've been. We know who we are, and we know each other. And it's, uh, it's inseparable. Well, we'll end on that note. Thank you so much all for thank coming. Thank you. Big thank you to Greg.